This is a question for people in the room that are 25 and above. Do you know what the most popular game in the world is that in the month of March made $223 million? Those under 25 might know, but it's a, it's a video game called Fortnite. And uh, I've got teenage boys in my house, so we, we know this very well around my house. Um, and as I, I, I'm hopeless at this game because I can't master the controls very well, but they're awesome at it. And it's really fun to watch, but there are apparently two different strategies when you play this game. There's the camper who likes to duck into a bush and just hide and try to look for the right opportunity to move their, their game forward this way. And there, there's th those that are just all aggressive, full on from the time they hit. They parachute onto this island and then they go, they go after this thing. And so there are these two different camps. Today, sort of in a way, I'm going to talk about how we are not going to be campers, but we try to push towards being more aggressive, more forward-leaning in the way we do things, right? And, um, and particularly in how we share the gospel. Because I think at the end of the day, we're talking about how Jesus pulls us forward. He stretches us. That's really, I want to talk about how God stretches us into some new places. Today is the last sermon of a series we've been doing for the last six weeks, where we've been looking at the early church during the first century. And we've been looking at how vibrant and alive and growing and strong and all these wonderful things about the early church and looking at maybe some of why they were that way and asking how do we bring that into our church today? Like what is it that we've sort of dropped off that they had that maybe we need to work on? That's what we've been looking at. And you know, it's, we've, heard, we've heard five sermons before today, but if I had to summarize the five that have gone before I would say the three things that really pop out are that the early first century Christians were all in. Like they weren't sitting around dabbling. They were all in. And they were at a place where, I mean, Jesus had told them, go out and make disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit and then go out and all this. They were all about sharing what they had experienced. God's love and mercy and grace. They were all about doing that. And then the third thing that we've, we've heard it, I think, a couple times now is how the gospel is open for everyone. It wasn't just some little ghetto of people in the world or whatever. It's meant to be for everyone. And God says that in about two or three ways and affirms that in two or three ways. And, and today we get sort of something different in a way. It's, it's Paul who's going to follow these three things, but he's now going to share the gospel in ways he hasn't done before. So we're gonna, that's where we're going to head. But, you know, for us, I think it's, uh, it's maybe a, a time to think about how we're not going to be campers on this thing, you know. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about growing in your faith, wherever you are, if you're going to go further, it's going to take you deeper in discipleship. And all of discipleship, at the end of the day, is going to involve the cross. It's going to take us to places that are hard and that are difficult and, and really um, challenge us if we let it. That's where it's going to, it will ultimately go. And I think Paul gets some of that today, right? So St. Paul heads on to Athens. He's waiting on his uh, travel compadres to, to catch up. And he's having a hard time in Athens because of what he's seeing. Now, now stop for a minute and think about Paul. Paul is uh, a Jewish Christian. He's been raised his whole life with the Ten Commandments being driven into him. And these first two, there's one God and you're not to have any idols. And now he's in Athens and everywhere he looks, 
there are idols everywhere, shrines set up everywhere. You know, there's one scholar that said it was easier to find a, um, an idol than it was a human in, in Athens. I mean, they're just everywhere. And you got all these shrines to Zeus and Ares and Diana and Mars and just all these different shrines everywhere. And I think it's interesting to see what Paul does with it, right? Because I know Paul, you know, the, the actual Greek word being used for him, um, our translation said deeply distress. Um, the message talks about how um, he's, he's growing angrier. But he's, he's having a fit. It's like this, the Greek word is more like he's having a, a seizure on the floor because of what he's seeing with all these idols. He's really upset. But I think it's interesting what he does with it. And I'll say more on this in a minute, but he, he doesn't withdraw from it. He doesn't say, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm going to go hide over here somewhere. He continues to engage the culture. And if you think, if you look at Paul throughout the book of Acts and, and his writings, his MO is that he always kind of goes to a new city. He first goes to the synagogue. And I think the reason he goes is because they already know what scripture is. They already have an expectation of the Messiah. So it's kind of an easier place for him to work. But then he doesn't stop there. He ultimately goes out into the street. He ultimately goes out into the marketplace and all these, all these different places um, to preach. And Jesus is really the same way. He's following Jesus's pattern. Because Jesus didn't just hang out in the synagogue. And if you go back and think about it, he didn't just go to the um, synagogue to look for his disciples and, and look for like who's here all the time who's really good. He went out into the world and like was around these fishermen and said, hey, come with me or tax collector, real world stuff. And all these people that are out there and invites them to come be his followers. And then Jesus himself goes with them into the street presenting his message, right? That's what Paul does today. He's in Athens. Um, and so he starts this and he goes into the town center um, and begins to, to, to preach. It's a place where all the intellectuals would have been. And Paul was an intellectual. You know, we, we, today I think we would say he had a PhD in, in, in the stuff he did, right? He'd been trained by scholars in Jerusalem, all of this. And, um, and he adopts their way of communicating. He doesn't go out and just do a Jewish uh, speaking engagement, but he's doing Socratic method in Athens. He's dialoguing, he's engaging and all this. And his reaction was mm, not so good, right? He gets a lot of negative reception. I think our passage today that, we, that um, Steve read a minute ago was that he was a babbler and he's somebody putting out um, other different divinities that he's trying to sell. And um, I, the translation from the message says that people were saying he's an airhead in what he's saying. And, you know, that he's, he's doing all this. It's not a great reception, right? And later on in 1 Corinthians 1, when Paul talks about how the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, I wonder if that's not what we're seeing and what he's participating in today. But there's one group that really likes what they're hearing. They're really in, intrigued. Maybe they're the only ones really listening, right? But they hear him and they're like, we want to hear more of what you have to say. And so they invite him to come out to the Areopagus and to, and to go to this place where he's going to be critically heard. And, um, and Paul gets there and he's, he's going to now preach. And he preaches there like he's never preached before, I think, because 
he's not talking to a people who know the sacred writings. And so he's busy looking for what's going to be the connection point? How am I going to start this? What am I going to do? And Paul, I think, you know, I think it's really worth sort of dwelling for a minute, at, you know, kind of what I hinted at a minute ago. Paul sees all these idols in, in Athens. And instead of sort of getting up on his high horse and saying, what's wrong with you folks? That you think there are all these gods made out of little things and all these different things. He doesn't do that. When he starts to preach, he says, oh, I see that you guys are really spiritual. You're, I mean, he's, he's taking a positive look on this. And then he's saying, and, and you know, when I was walking around all these shrines, I saw there was one that says to an unknown God. So if you'll let me, let me tell you about this God you don't know. That's, that's his bridge. They've set it up for him and that's where he goes. And then he begins to talk about how, who God is and what he's about and this unknown God that they've maybe been searching for in all these different ways and all these different idols and all these different things they've made. What St. Augustine would talk about as being sort of the, the, um, the God-shaped hole that we have in us. And he's talking about what goes in there and how we're made by God. And then he, he towards the end of his preaching, I mean, you, could, you might go, slide right over it, but he talks about how we live and move and have our being in God. He's quoting some of their poets. And I think what it says to me in part is how Paul spent so much time studying their culture as he tries to relate with them. And now he's talking about it and he, he not only sees how he's got an opening with this unknown God in this shrine, but now he's, he's figured out how some of their poetry works right into this. So he's meeting them where they are and beginning to speak in ways they understand with their references and talking to them about this message of God's mercy, love, and grace. And I think that's exactly what God does with the world, right? You think about the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas and all this. I mean, the shepherds don't show up and go into the, into the stable and say, what is that? They look and they say, oh, it's a baby. And that's what we'd heard. It's not like some green glowing thing or whatever. It's, you know, it's like, God comes here on our terms as a human. And Jesus isn't this plop down um, orator that everybody immediately knows who he is. I mean, he, he's bivocational. He's a carpenter. And he goes into public ministry doing, doing this stuff, right? So he, he comes very much on our terms, explain, meeting us where we are and trying to help us understand some of the stuff we were hearing in the gospel today about how he's connected to the Father and how we understand his love and welcome and embrace and all these incredible things about this journey that we're on. And I think for us, the challenge that you know, we think about as we wind up this sermon series, we think about what the early church is doing that we're maybe not doing is we, we've got questions to talk about whether we're all in the way they were. But are we sharing the love, mercy, and grace or do we sort of assume everybody has it? You know, and are we willing to say something in some context that meets people about God's love? And I think Paul today is like, wherever he is, whatever he finds, he's looking for stuff and pulling it together. And are we willing to do that? Are we, are we committed enough? Are we willing to share enough? Are we willing? That's what makes for a vibrant place. That, that's what I think helps us grow as a church and as people as we lean more into the gospel the way we, we read about it in the sacred writings and looking for these ways to connect, Right? I'll say more during announcements, but I'm going to give you a super great opportunity to do this um, that's coming up next month. But for us, think about, I wonder if you've ever prayed 
for somebody in your life who doesn't really know this love or mercy of grace. You know, we're, today's Mother's Day. And when I think about Mother's Day, one of the mothers that always stands out to me is St. Monica. She got made a saint because she spent so much of her life praying for her son to convert. That's how, she, how the church ultimately made her a saint. Now, it happens to be that her son is St. Augustine that I mentioned a little while ago. And he's had, you know, top three theologians maybe that ever lived, at least in my book. And, um, but this idea that, um, you know, that's, we need to be praying for people, thinking how we're going to connect with people and share with them what we found. So let's pray about that as, as we go forward. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us so much, that we know you as, uh, as the one who meets us and loves us as both a father and a mother. And we pray, Lord, that as we experience your love, that you would help us to have boldness and courage the way Paul did, to find connections and to share your love in, this, in the world that needs it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.